Right on radio. Right on radio. Narrating the end of the world. The end of the world. This news just in. We are your news now. Providing the play-by-play for the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right on, right on, right on. Live right. Live right. In the real world. Right on radio. For continuous coverage of the latest information, separate fact from opinion. Get the truth. Get the news. You're listening to Right on Radio. Welcome to Right On Radio. My name is Jeff. You heard the tagline of the show. It is live right in the real world where I will show you the real world, both visible and invisible. And then you get decide, get to decide how to live right in it. Brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, the information I'm going to be bringing you today and for the next couple episodes, I'm not sure how many it'll take. I'm going to be splitting it up because it's lengthy. Uh, it is most sinister in nature. I'm going to suggest to you that it is centuries old and that these men of renown, I say that specifically, were in direct contact contact with Satan as they were formulating their plan. As we look back on this information from the standpoint where we're at today in October of 2023, It is absolutely so brilliant, and it has been so well executed. If there has been some missing pieces of the puzzle, if you want to know how the power structures of this world have been operating specifically for the last couple hundred years, you're going to find out today in their own words This is lifted from a very rare document that has been authenticated, and it is, uh, there's some heavy lifting in it. Now, I will be leaving out parts of the documentary. I'll explain why after we get into it, but because of the nature of what I'm going to present to you, I just want to present uh, first, just a, it's 30 seconds long, but this really made my day the other day when someone posted it on our Telegram channel, and uh, man, I I was just blessed by this, and uh, for those of you who are listening, it is a toddler, I'm going to guess around two years old, uh, in a car seat, and the music is playing, and you're going to hear this, uh, this young child singing along and if you can if you're watching this you see the video i see the light of god shining through this kid as as he sings along um 
listen to this and be blessed. I Was that not awesome? <laughs> that kid, um, whether he knew what the words were or not, it, it, you could see it really came burbling out from within. And, uh, oh, to be childlike again. <laughs> and to be blessed like that kid is, uh, just to be able to sing out those words. But, you know, there is a way you can feel like that kid again. And I'm just going to do this really quick. Hey, go get some mushrooms. Um, they build your immunity system, folks. Your immunity system can beat all kinds of ailments of this world because, you know, we get to our food is being poisoned. Our air is being poisoned. Your immunity system is probably very important. And, uh, You've heard some of the testimonies you've been listening for a while. Um, it really does work, folks. ROR.PetClub247.com. That's ROR.PetClub247.com. And ladies and gentlemen, what you're going to hear in a moment um, is going to solidify a whole bunch of things in your mind. You're going to see how this has played out through history. You're going to see what they've done. And uh, it's going to make you want to go out and get an EMP shield because it's coming, folks. <laughs> Wait till you hear this. Uh, EMPshield.com. Protect your house. Protect your cars. Um, there is a power event coming, whether it will be an EMP or not. Uh, it doesn't hurt to have a surge protector, folks, and that's what this is, but it also works against uh, electromagnetic pulses. So go to empshield.com and use coupon code ROR. Don't delay. Get it today. Thank you for indulging me with that. What I'm going to do first is... Uh, so... I could have just posted this on like our telegram channel and on uh, Twitter. But the truth is because it's like three and a half hours, most of you would not endure it. I'm going to suggest to you that this is of the utmost importance that you hear these things. And 
I'm going to break it into parts. I'm also going to add some commentary as we go. One of the things that sticks out to me, and it isn't specifically mentioned in here, but certainly America is, that it solidifies my belief that the whole idea of this, what they called the great experiment of America, was actually to bring down kings and queens around the world. But it's part of their plan, allowed by God, but their plan. And I'm going to play this in just a second, but right before I do, you know, I always pray before I do these shows. I was going to do another show today that I was going to do last week, but I've been sitting on this for months and I feel released right now to share this with you. So I believe it's God's timing. Uh, I'm not saying thus say it the Lord. This is just what I feel. And so it's time that you hear this. And I also pray for the word of the Lord before I do this. And immediately in my mind was, actually, I, I got to Matthew 24, verse 33 is what came into my mind. But I'm going to read just a, a few of the verses so it is in context. But it was verse 33 that was put into my mind. And this is the parable of the fig tree. Now learn the parable from the fig tree. As soon as its branch has become tender and sprouts its leaves, you know the summer is near. So you too, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near, referring to the Lord Jesus, right at the door. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. So actually, just to reiterate, I'll just read verse 33. When you see all these things, recognize that he is near right at the door. And I think, you know, you can hold on to that scripture as we go through this. It'll be broken into parts, so it's tolerable. What I'm going to do right now is I'm going to start with the introduction to it. Then I will stop. It, it's about five minutes long after the introduction, and I'll skip forward to a more prominent part. There's a commentary that I'm going to skip that is about 20 minutes long, and it validates the documents. It validates you know, the history of it, and there's some publisher's notes. Um, this was first published in 1905 uh, in Russia. It was translated and published in uh, 1920. And when it was published in 1920, you know, immediately following World War I, the Bolshevik Revolution, uh, there's a very long commentary by the publishers at that time. It was very astute 
but I think we are a little bit beyond uh, the language that is being used in that today. It's worth listening to, certainly, uh, but for the context of this uh, Right on Radio program, I'm going to skip it and I will go to a little bit more meat um, as we continue on. So I want you to understand that and uh, uh, why I'm doing it. And hopefully you'll afford me the grace to do this. So without further ado, I'm going to play the just the introduction so you know what you are about to invest your time in, folks. And I suggest to you, it's worthwhile. In the early 1960s, there was providentially delivered into my hands a book that shocked my intellectual and historical status quo. After searching across America through the book finders, it became evident that I possessed one of a kind. We have been unable to find a copy of this book in any library or in any bookseller in America. If such exists, we would desire knowing of its whereabouts. The book so diabolical in nature launched me into a continuing historical research that has never ended. What I have uncovered has been both startling and shocking. With it has come the focusing of history and current events into a clear hole. We see the end from the beginning. Unable to find the necessary capital for the republishing of this book and not having the facilities for such, we have decided to use the means at hand for recording it for posterity. By recording it on cassette tape, we make it available for private and public use. What you're about to hear is the most diabolical plot ever uncovered. Its many tentacles reach out into all the arenas of life, in every hall of government, in every school, and into every theological seminary, and even into our military. Its agents have infiltrated every warp and woof of our nation. I intend to read the book word for word, except the latter portion dealing with excerpts from the Overman Committee reports. What you're about to hear is what the late great Baptist evangelist Mordecai Ham called the Devil's Bible. Because he quoted from it, he was hounded and vilified everywhere he preached. Published by Small Maynard and Company, once a great publishing house in America, in 1920, it is entitled, quote, The Protocols and World Revolution, end quote, including a translation and analyses of the protocols of the meetings of the Zionist men of wisdom. A study of the background of the protocols is another subject. In the voice rendering, I make no claim to the correctness of pronunciation where French or Russian words are used. I will convey them to the best of my ability. Where the word goy, G-O-Y, is used, you will remember the word is Jewish for Gentile. And now let us turn to the book at hand, the title page, reading thusly, Protocols and World Revolution, including a translation and analyses of the protocols of the meetings of the Zionist men of wisdom. So I'm skipping ahead about 18 minutes now and disregarding the publisher's notes on this. However, uh, there is a summary of the 24 protocols and 
I'm going to be splitting the protocols up because you're going to hear it in their own words. So the first part you are going to hear is just the a very brief introduction to the summary, and then you will hear a summary of the protocols, but it's when we get into the actual minutes of their meetings and the plans. And, and listen, by nature of this, I can't help but think of the Rothschilds because they're talking about the power and influence of their money and the ability to create, create wars and their ability to stranglehold the world through financial. I know they're not the only ones. Of course, there's the Rockefellers. There's very old, old families, the Corsini family, um, you know, and a lot of families who have changed their names to stay hidden um, could be the makeup of the people who were at the meetings. But what you will discover as we go through these things is they've done it. They've done it. So without further ado, this is the intro and summary, and then we'll get right into some of the protocols. And I'll cut it off at some point and split this up into shorter segments so it's easier to get through for each of you. Summary of the protocol. The title under which the protocols are presented in Mr. Nihilus's text, according to the literal translation from the Russian, is, quote, protocols of the meetings of the Zionist men of wisdom, end quote. The word protocol can be used in several senses, but in the present case, the context would indicate that the word means simply the written minutes of certain meetings, such as meetings of the Zionist men of wisdom. The arrangement is in 24 separate protocols, each protocol apparently recording the contents of an address to the meeting by one of its members. The context would also indicate that all the addresses were delivered by the same person, and it should also be noted that each protocol deals with a more or less distinct part of one complete subject, like the chapter of a book. In the first protocol, it is stated that the speaker undertakes to formulate quote, our system, both from our point of view and from that of the goyes, end quote. The word goyes or goyims is an old Hebrew word signifying Gentiles or persons who are not Jews. All of the following protocols, whether they are the utterances of the same person who speaks in the first protocol or not, are a continuation of the same general subject. Taking the set of documents as a whole, they clearly purport to formulate a strategic plan for united action of the Jews as a nation or a people to obtain certain ends. These ends are nothing less than complete political and religious domination of the world. The means by which this universal domination is to be achieved are set forth with great clearness and considerable elaboration. The document as a whole is of the most extraordinary character. And while to some readers it may seem fanatical or visionary, Others will be more impressed with its profound cleverness, with the cold logic of the reasoning, and with the general orderliness of statement and argument, indicating that the work, whatever underlying motive may be, is the result of careful thought and mature deliberation. The strategic plan of action is Machiavellian and ruthless in the extreme, and is expressly founded on the propositions that might is right and that politics have nothing in common with morals. 
It is also explicitly stated that the end in view is to subjugate all government to our super government. And the Jewish super government is to be an autocracy with a Jewish sovereign at its head. Briefly summarized, the means by which the world domination is to be achieved are as follows. Number one, the national power of non-Jewish states is to be broken down by the fomenting of internal revolutions through appeal to class hatred and pr by pretended efforts to obtain greater freedom and privileges for certain classes of the people using the words liberty, equality, and fraternity, merely as catchwords to gain recruits for the Jewish cause. Autocratic governments, which alone are strong, must be weakened in the first instance by the introduction of liberalism, which will pave the way to anarchy. Number two, all wars must be shifted to an economic basis, allowing no territorial advantages to result from war, and thus tending to make the Jewish control of wealth the determining factor in war. Number three, the Jewish international rights are to be strengthened at the expense of the national rights of the several Gentile nations. Number four, the non-Jewish states are to be further weakened by promoting faults and conflicting political policies, by obtaining secret control over the actions of public officials, by manipulation of the press, and by the gradual elimination of free speech. Number five, the authority of governments where liberalism prevails is to be weakened by the destruction of religion other than the Jewish religion, since it is the conservative and moral force which makes liberal governments possible. Number six, in order to overcome the resistance of those states which are unwilling to make submission to the new Jewish power, there must be no hesitation in resorting to violence, cunning, hypocrisy, bribery, fraud, and treason, or to the seizure of the property of others. Number seven, the destruction of the social and economic structure of Christian states will also be brought about by the destruction of industrial prosperity through speculation and constant strikes, throwing masses of workmen out of employment, artificially raising wages, thus increasing the cost of the necessaries of life, and finally by bringing about a general economic crisis and the disorganization of financial systems. The financial strength of the various non-Jewish states will also be undermined by causing them to overburden themselves with foreign and national loans on an ever-increasing scale, which will ultimately lead to bankruptcy. Eight, upon the social and political chaos created by these various means, a Jewish dictatorship is to be gradually built up, principally through the terrible Jewish power of the purse and through the other great Jewish powers of control over the press and over the revolutionary labor movement. Nine, during the period of transition from Gentile to Jewish political control in every state, there will be a secret government by the Jews, brought about through the manipulation of the press, misleading public opinion, mass terror, weakening the initiative of the Gentiles, misdirecting their education, and sowing discord among them. And now we come to the actual 24 protocols that we will read and record for you as printed in this book and for recording it for posterity. Before I continue, uh, there's a couple notes that I really want to make here. Um, first of all, 
I'm not against any people. I pray for those who love me, and I pray for those who hate me. Um, I don't care about race, creed, color. I respect your free will to worship whatever God you wish to. But the language being used here is Jew and Gentile. It is of my opinion that when they reference Jew in this, this is not a person who lives in specific geography or who was born in specific geography. I believe the Bible refers to them as those who say they are Jews, but are not Jews. They are Jews outwardly, but not inwardly. I think it's those people that this is referring to. And I also want to say when they refer to themselves outwardly as being Jewish, I believe they are referring to themselves as the chosen ones, but not in the deceitful way that we have been taught and programmed throughout decades, at least of my life. I think when they say the chosen ones, they're talking about the illuminated ones. So in, with me putting this out there, it is not hateful, but this is relevant information. And it seems that we're at the end of the plan as laid out here. And this is centuries old. They've accomplished just about every bit of it. And when they say that it will be ruled under, you know, a Jewish sovereign, again, when they say Jewish, I say they mean illuminated one in their club, and that person will become the Antichrist. Without further ado, I'm going to play, I think, let's see, I'm 26 minutes in. I'm going to just see how quickly some of these go, but we're going to be breaking them up into more than one show and uh, remember the parable of the fig tree so here are the protocols as presented in this book and for those of you who are watching on video just please take note of the scripture that I have at the top of my page John 832 the truth will set you free. And if you want to be free from speculation, if you want to know, and I believe this, I believe God snuck these things out so we would know and we know how to pray. In Jesus' name, here we go. Protocols of the meetings of the Zionist men of wisdom. Protocol number one. Let us put aside phraseology and discuss the inner meaning of every thought. By comparisons and deductions, let us illuminate the situation. In this way, I will describe our system. 
both from our own point of view and from that of the Goys. It must be remembered that people with base instincts are more numerous than those with noble ones. Therefore, the best results in governing are achieved through violence and intimidation and not through academic discussion. Every man seeks power. Everyone would like to become a dictator if he possibly could. And rare indeed are those who would not sacrifice the common good in order to attain personal advantage. What has restrained the wild beast we call men? What has influenced them heretofore? In the early stages of social life, they submitted to brute and blind force. Afterwards, to the law, which is the same force but disguised. I deduce from this that according to the laws of nature, right lies in might. Political freedom is not a fact, but an idea. One must know how to employ this idea when it becomes necessary to attract popular forces to one's party by mental allurement if it plans to crush the party in power. The task is made easier if the opponent himself has contradicted the idea of freedom, the so-called liberalism, and for the sake of the idea yields his power. It is precisely here that the triumph of our theory becomes apparent. The relinquished reins of power are, according to the laws of nature, immediately seized by a new hand because the blind force of the people cannot remain without a leader, even for one day, and the new power merely replaces the old, weakened by liberalism. In our day, the power of gold has replaced liberal rulers. There was a time when faith ruled. The idea of freedom cannot be realized because no one knows how to make reasonable use of it. Give the people self-government for a short time and it will become corrupted. From that very moment, strife begins and soon develops into social struggles as a result of which states are set aflame and their authority is reduced to ashes. Whether the state is exhausted by internal convulsions or whether civil war is delivered into the hands of the external enemies, in either case it can be regarded as hopelessly lost. It is in our power. The despotism of capital, which is entirely in our hands, holds out to it a straw which the state must grasp, although against its will or otherwise fall into the abyss. To him who, because of his liberal inclinations, would contend that arguments of this kind are immoral, I would propound the question. If a state has two enemies, and if against the external enemy it is permitted, and it is not considered immoral to use all methods of warfare, and as a protective measure not to acquaint the enemy with the plans of attack, such as night attacks or attacks with superior forces, then why should the same methods be regarded as immoral when applied to a worse foe, a transgressor against social order and prosperity. How can a sound and logical mind hope successfully to guide the masses by means of reasonable persuasion or by arguments if there is a possibility of contradiction, even though unreasonable, but which may appear more attractive to the superficially thinking masses, guided entirely by shallow passions, superstitions, customs, traditions, and sentimental theories, the people in and of the mob become embroiled in party dissensions, which prevent all possibility of an agreement, even though it be on the basis of perfectly sound reasoning. Every decision of the mob depends upon the accidental or prearranged majority, which, owing to its ignorance of political secrets, pronounces absurd decisions, 
thus introducing the seeds of anarchy into the government. Politics have nothing in common with morals. The ruler guided by morality is not a skilled politician, and consequently he is not firm on his throne. He who desires to rule must resort to cunning and hypocrisy. The great popular qualities, honesty and frankness, become vices in politics as they dethrone more surely and more certainly than the most powerful enemy. These qualities must be the attributes of Goy countries, but we by no means should be guided by them. Our right lies in might. The word right is an abstract idea unsusceptible to proof. This word means nothing more than give me what I desire so that I may have evidence that I am stronger than you. Where does right begin? Where does it end? In a state with a poorly organized government and where the laws are insignificant and the ruler has lost his dignity as a result of the accumulation of liberal rights, I find a new right, namely the right of might to destroy all existing order and institutions, to lay hands on the law, to alter all institutions, and to become the ruler of those who have voluntarily liberally renounced for our benefit the rights of their own power. With the present instability of all authority, our power will be more unassailable than any other because it will be invisible until it is so well rooted that no cunning can undermine it. From temporary evil to that which we are now obliged to have recourse will emerge the good of an unshakable government, which will reinstate the orderly functioning of the mechanism of popular existence now interrupted by liberalism. The end justifies the means. In laying our plans, we must turn our attention not so much to the good and moral as to the necessary and useful. Before us lies a plan in which a strategic line is shown, from which we must not deviate on pain of risking the collapse of many centuries of work. In working out an expedient plan of action, it is necessary to take into consideration the meanness, the vacillation, changeability of the mob, its inability to appreciate and respect the condition of its own existence and of its own well-being. It is necessary to realize that the power of the masses is blind, unreasoning, and void of discrimination, prone to listen to right and left. The blind man cannot guide the blind without bringing them to the abyss. Consequently, members of the crowd upstart from the people, even were they men of genius, but incompetent in politics, cannot step forward as leaders of the mob without ruining the entire nation. Only the person prepared from childhood to autocracy can understand the words which are formed by political letters. The people left to themselves that is, to upstart from among them, are ruined by party dissensions, created by greed for power and honors, and by the disorders resulting therefrom. Is it possible for the masses of the people to direct the affairs of the state without rivalry and without interjecting personal interest? Are they capable of protecting themselves against external enemies? This is impossible, since a plan divided into as many parts as our minds in a mob loses its unity and consequently becomes incomprehensible and unworkable. Only an autocrat can outline great and clear plans which allocate in an orderly manner all the parts of the mechanism of the government machinery. From this, it is concluded that the government, which is the most efficient for the benefit of the country, must be concentrated in the hands of one responsible person. 
Civilization cannot exist without absolute despotism. For government is carried on not by the masses, but by their leader, whoever he may be. A barbarous crowd shows this barbarism on every occasion. The moment the mob grasps liberty in its hand, it is speedily changed to anarchy, which is in itself the height of barbarism. Look at the, those beasts, steeped in alcohol, stupefied by wine, the unlimited use of which is granted by liberty. Surely you cannot allow our own people to come to this. The people of the Goyas are stupefied by spiritous liquors. Their youth is driven insane through excessive study of the classics and vice to which they have been instigated by our agents, tutors, valets, governesses, in rich houses by clerks and so forth, and by our women in the pleasure places of the Gentiles or Goyes. Among the latter, I include the so-called society women, their volunteer followers in vice and luxury. Our motto is power and hypocrisy. Only power can conquer in politics, especially if it is concealed in talents which are necessary to statesmen. Violence must be the principle, hypocrisy and cunning the rule of those governments which do not wish to lay down their crowns at the feet of the agents of some new power. This evil is the sole means of attaining the goal of good. For this reason, we must not hesitate at bribery, fraud, and treason when these can help us to reach our end. In politics, it is necessary to seize the property of others without hesitation, if in so doing we attain submission and power. Our government, following the line of peaceful conquest, has the right to substitute for the horrors of war less noticeable and more efficient executions, these being necessary to keep up terror, which induces blind submission. A just but inexorable strictness is the greatest factor of governmental power. We must follow a program of violence and hypocrisy, not only for the sake of profit, but also as a duty and for the sake of victory. A doctrine based on calculation is as potent as the means employed by it. That is why not only by these very means, but by the severity of our doctrines, we shall triumph and shall enslave all governments under our super-government. Even in olden times, we shouted among the people the words liberty, equality, and fraternity. These words have been repeated so many times since by unconscious parrots, which flocking from all sides to the bait, have ruined the prosperity of the world and true individual freedom, formerly so well protected from the pressure of the mob. The would-be clever and intelligent goys did not discern the symbolism of the uttered words, did not notice the contradiction in the meaning and the connection between them, did not notice that there is no equality in nature, that there can be no liberty since nature herself has established inequality of mind, character, and ability, as well as subjection to her laws. They did not reason that the power of the mob is blind, that the upstarts selected for government are just as blind in politics as is the mob itself, whereas the initiated man, even though a fool, is capable of ruling, while the uninitiated, although a genius, will understand nothing of politics. All this has been overlooked by the Gentiles. Meanwhile, dynastic governments have been based upon this, that the father paced passed on to his son the knowledge of the course of political evolution, so that nobody except the members of the dynasty could possess this knowledge, and no one could disclose the secrets of the governed people. In the course of time, the meaning of the dynastic transmission of the true understanding of politics has been lost, thus contributing to the success of our cause. In all parts of the world, the words liberty, equality, and fraternity 
have brought whole legions into our ranks through our blind agents. Protocol number two. It is necessary for us that wars, whenever possible, should bring no territorial advantages. This will shift war to an economic basis and force nations to realize the strength of our predominance. Such a situation will, both, will put both sides at the mercy of our million-eyed international agency, which will be unhampered by any frontiers. Then our international rights will do away with national rights. In a limited sense, and will rule the peoples in the same way as the civil power of each state regulates the relation of its subjects among themselves. The administrators chosen by us from among the people in accordance with their capacity for servility will not be experienced in the art of government, and consequently they will easily become pawns in our game in the hands of our scientists and wise counselors, specialists trained from early childhood for governing the world. As you are aware, these specialists have obtained the knowledge necessary for the government from our political plans, from the study of history, from the observation of every passing event. The Goyas are not guided by the practice of impartial historical observation, but by theoretical routine without any critical regard for its results. Therefore, we need give them no consideration. Until the time comes, let them amuse themselves or live in the hope of new amusements or in the memories of those past. Let that play the most important part for them which we have induced them to regard as the laws of science or theory. For this purpose, by means of our press, we increase their blind faith in these laws. Intelligent goys will boast of their knowledge, and verifying it logically, they will put into practice all scientific information compiled by our agents for the purpose of educating their minds in the direction which we require. Do not think that our assertions are without foundation. Note the successes of Darwinism, Marxism, and Nazism, engineered by us. The demoralizing effect of these doctrines upon the minds of the Goys should be already obvious to us. It is essential that we take into consideration the modern ideas, temperaments, and tendencies of people in order that no mistakes in politics and in guiding administrative affairs may be made. The triumph of our system, parts of whose mechanism must be adapted in accordance with the temperament of the people with whom we come in contact, cannot be realized unless its practical application is based upon a resume of the past as related to the present. There is one great force in the hands of modern states which arouses thought movements among the people. That is the press. The role of the press is to indicate necessary demands, to register complaints of the people, and to express and foment dissatisfaction. The triumph of free babbling is incarnated in the press. But governments were unable to profit by this power, and it has fallen into our hands. Through it, we have attained influence while remaining in the background. Thanks to the press, we have gathered gold in our hands, although we had to take it from rivers of blood and tears. But it cost us the sacrifice of many of our own people. Every sacrifice on our part is worth a thousand goys before God. Protocol number three. 
Today I can tell you that our goal is close at hand. Only a small distance remains, and the cycle of the symbolic serpent, the symbol of our people, will be complete. When this circle is completed, then all the European states will be enclosed in it as in strong claws. The modern constitutional scales will soon tip over, but we have set them inaccurately, thus ensuring an unsteady balance for the purpose of wearing out their holder. The Goyas thought it had been sufficiently strongly made and hoped that the scales would regain their equilibrium, but the holder, the ruler, is screened from the people by his representatives, who fritter away their time, carried away by their uncontrolled and irresponsible authority. Their power, moreover, has been built upon terrorism spread through the palaces. Unable to reach the hearts of their people, the rulers cannot unite with them to gain strength against the usurpers of power. The visible power of royalty and the blind power of the masses, separated by us, have both lost significance. For separated, they are as helpless as the blind man without a stick. To induce the lovers of authority to abuse their powers, we have placed all the forces in opposition to each other, having developed their liberal tendencies toward independence. We have excited different forms of initiative in that direction. We have armed all the parties. We have made authority the target of all ambitions. We have opened the arenas in different states where revolts are now occurring and disorders and bankruptcy will shortly appear everywhere. Unrestrained babblers have converted parliamentary sessions and administrative meetings into oratorical contests. Daring journalists, impudent pamphleteers make daily attacks on administrative personnel. The abuse of power is definitely preparing the downfall of institutions and everything will be overturned by the blows of the infuriated mobs. The people are shackled by poverty to heavy labor more surely than they were by slavery and serfdom. They could liberate themselves from those in one way or another, whereas they cannot free themselves from misery. We have included in constitutions rights which for the people are fictitious and are not actual rights. <clears throat> All the so-called rights of the people can exist only in the abstract and can never be realized in practice. What difference does it make to the tall and proletarian, bent double by heavy toil, oppressed by his fate, that the babblers receive the right to talk, journalists the right to mix nonsense with reason in their writings. If the proletariat has no other gain from the Constitution, than the miserable crumbs which we throw from our table in return for his vote to elect our agents. Republican rights are bitter irony for the poor man. For the necessity of almost daily labor prevents him from using them, and at the same time deprives him of his guarantee of a permanent and certain livelihood by making him dependent upon strikes, organized either by his masters or by his comrades. Under our guidance, the people have exterminated aristocracy which was their natural protector and guardian, for its own interests are inseparably connected with the well-being of the people. Now, however, with the destruction of this aristocracy, the masses have fallen under the power of the profiteers and cunning upstarts who have settled on the workers as a merciless burden. We will present ourselves in the guise of saviors of the workers from this oppression when we suggest that they either enter into our army of socialists, anarchists, communists, to whom we always extend our help, 
under the guise of the rule of brotherhood demanded by the human solidarity of our social masonry. The aristocracy, which benefited by the labor of the people by right, was interested that the workers should be well-fed, healthy, and strong. We, on the contrary, are concerned in the opposite, in the degeneration of the goys. Our power lies in the chronic malnutrition and in the weakness of the worker. Because through this he falls under our power and is unable to find either strength or energy to combat it. Hunger gives to capital greater power over the worker than the legal authority of the sovereign ever gave to the aristocracy. Through misery and the resulting jealous hatred, we manipulate the mob and crush those who stand in our way. When the time comes for our universal ruler to be crowned, the same hands will sweep away everything which may be an obstacle in our way. The Goyas are no longer accustomed to think without our scientific advice. Consequently, they do not see the imperative need of upholding that which we will sustain by all means when our kingdom is established, namely the teaching in the schools of the only true science, the first of all sciences, the science of the construction of human life, of social existence, which requires the division of labor and consequently the separation of people into classes and caste. It is necessary that all should know that equality cannot exist owing to the different nature of various kinds of work, that there cannot be the same responsibility before the law in the case of an individual who by his actions compromises an entire caste and another who does not affect anything but his own honor. The correct science of the social structure to the secrets of which we do not admit the goys would demonstrate to all that occupation and labor must be differentiated so as not to cause human suffering by the discrepancy between education and work. The study of this science will lead the masses to a voluntary submission to the authorities and to the governmental system organized by them. Whereas under the present state of science and due to the direction of our guidance therein, the people in their ignorance blindly believe in the printed word and owing to the misconceptions which have been fostered by us, feel a hatred towards all classes whom they consider superior to themselves since they do not understand the importance of each caste. This hatred will be still more accentuated by the economic crises, which will stop financial transactions and all industrial life. Having organized a general economic crisis by all possible underhand means, and with the help of gold which is all in our hands, we will throw great crowds of workmen into the street, simultaneously in all the countries of Europe. These crowds will gladly shed the blood of those of whom they, in the simplicity of their ignorance, have been jealous since childhood and whose property they will then be able to loot. They will not harm our people because we will know of the time of the attack and we will take measures to protect them. We have persuaded others that progress will lead the goys into a realm of reason. Our despotism will be of such a nature that it will be in a position to pacify all revolts by wise restrictions and to eliminate liberalism from all institutions. When the people saw that they obtained concessions and license in the name of liberty, they imagined that they were the masters and rushed into power. But like every blind person, they encountered innumerable obstacles. They rushed to seek a leader with no thought of returning to the old one and laid power at our feet. <clears throat> Remember the French Revolution? 
which we have called great. The secrets of its preparation are well known to us, for it was the work of our hands. Since then we have carried the masses from one disappointment to another, so that they will renounce even us in favor of a despot sovereign of Zionist blood whom we are preparing for the world. At present, as an international force, we are invulnerable, because if we are attacked by one state, we are supported by other states. The unlimited baseness of the Goy people, who grovel before force, who are pitiless towards weakness, who are merciless to misdemeanors and lenient to crimes, who are unwilling to tolerate the contradictions of a free social structure, patient unto martyrdom and bearing with the violence of their despotism. This is what helps our independence. They tolerate and permit such abuses from their modern premiers or dictators, for the least of which they would behead 20 kings. How can such a phenomenon be explained? Such an illogical conception on the part of the mass of the people towards events of seemingly the same nature. This phenomenon can be explained by the fact that these dictators through their agents whisper to their people that by these abuses they in injure the states for a supreme purpose, namely for the attainment of the happiness of the people, their universal fraternity, solidarity, and equality. Of course, they are not told that this unification will be achieved only under our rule. Thus the people condemn the just and acquit the unjust, more and more convinced that they can do what they please. Owing to this, the people destroy all stability and create disorder on every occasion. The word liberty brings all society into conflict with all authority, be it that of God or nature. This is why at the moment of our enthronement, we will strike this word from the dictionary as being the symbol of brute power, which turns the masses into bloodthirsty beasts. It is true, however, that these beasts go to sleep as soon as they have drunk blood, and then it is easy to shackle them, but if the blood is not given to them, they will not sleep and will struggle. Protocol number four. Well, what do you think? This is knowledge that was given directly from Satan. I, I am convinced of it. But, you know, you can make your own decisions and conclusions. What I would suggest to you, however, is to hear out the entire plan as I continue with this mini-series and then draw your own conclusions. I praise God that he has allowed me to, to come across this, and I want to thank Kays for bringing this to me and showing me what how important it was. And as I said, I've been sitting on this for months, but... Now is the time. But in the meantime, I'll see you in a couple days. May God bless each and every one of you. May he protect you. May he give you wisdom in all things. And remember, because he's going to answer that prayer to, uh, Love your God, love your family, 
love your neighbor as yourself, even if they're related to these guys. Love them. And that alone will make a difference in your community.